You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Welcome back to another amazing edition of the Best Practices Show. My name is Kirk Bear, and I'm so excited to have you here because I have one goal, just one goal. It's like to bring you great information from great thinkers to help you improve your practice and your life. And we're going to do exactly that today. And I got a special treat for you. I have Christina Byrne, who's brilliant. She actually is the operations director here, and she's the brains behind the operation. I'm just the goofy, funny guy, I think, sometimes. But she, you're going to see, like... She's extremely knowledgeable and she keeps us all in line here. So Chris, thanks for being on. Hey, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. Really? I'm better now because you're here because you make all <laughs> things better. So it's awesome. And I do, I have to do a shout out because you guys know this, like the first lesson, we're going to talk a lot of things today. We're going to be talking about metrics and things. The first lesson, if you're taking notes at home and you're a young dentist, find great people and then get the hell out of their way. And that's what Chris does for me. Like I, I, I will scream about Chris forever because not only does she, she makes our lives better. She fits our core value system. She makes meetings great. She gets things done. Um, I am just, I'm pumped that you're here all the time. So great. thanks for being So well, me too. <laughs> that's awesome. So, okay. So you and I were just chatting and, and this is how we roll. Cause we're just going to roll. You were talking about like, one of the things that's keep coming up is the numbers in hygiene. Now I told you, this is awesome because we haven't done really any metrics in hygiene. And I get the questions all the time, just like you, well, let's talk about the why before the how, why are metrics in hygiene so important? Well, I think they're in, they're important for a couple of reasons, and and I'm going to do a disclaimer that I am a hygienist, so so don't don't send me any hate mail or anything like that. But I think it's important for hygienists to to be um, responsible uh, clinicians, providers. They support the profitability of the practice, and that's that's all kind of the secondary. The first and foremost reason to do this is because knowing what our numbers are and improving our numbers is only going to improve the health of our patient base, right? The, the key to the success of a healthy hygiene department or a healthy practice is how healthy are our patients. And we can't just like, we can't say, oh yeah, our patients are all healthy. You know, we're doing a great job. They're coming in every six months. But if you don't track that information, you really don't know. You're just going by a feeling and feelings are 
that's not telling you the true story. Yeah. So, okay. So let's start right here. Go back to that. So I'm a dentist listening. Okay. Christina, I totally understand, but like, I have never really taught, I don't want this to be about money and numbers. Right. Like help me through that hurdle first. Yeah. So, so it's not about that. Right. Um, I think the, the key thing to start with is as a dentist is to meet with your hygiene team and talk about your philosophy of care, you know, talk about what's important, talk about, you know, what do we believe about periodontal disease? What do we believe about the health of our patients? Even what do we believe about when to take radiographs and should we do a caries risk assessment? What do we, what are our thoughts on fluoride on, you know, all of these things. So when you, when you can position that why um, of why we think this is important and how does it benefit our patients, then you can say, okay, great. We all align and we all agree that, and I'll just use fluoride as an example, that fluoride is an important protocol or an important um, medicament that we can use for our patients, then how are we going to track that we're doing that? So, you know, if, if we say it's important, then we can't just say, yeah, it's important. And then just go about our day and not say, yeah, we want to give this to every patient. I think it's really valuable to, if you say you're going to do something, then you have to do it. And then you need to have the numbers to back it up that you did do it. Yeah. So, and we're going to have a little fun with you if you're listening, because this this is how we roll. We like to have a little fun, but, (laughs) and I'll play the dentist here. So, but Christina, like I talk to my team all the time. They know I take these courses, like they know what I want. And I've got like two new Mm -hmm. hygienists, but they should, like, we talk about this all the time. Don't they know what I'm thinking? Like all the time? (laughs) The answer is probably no. If you have to ask me that question, uh, then the answer is probably no. And here's, here's what I will challenge you to do have a meeting and sit down and have this conversation with them. And if they at the end say, doctor, we knew all of that already, then then you can call me back and say, guess what? They knew it. Right. And I'll say, okay, good for you. But I will guarantee you that 99 times out of 100 and probably 100 times out of 100, that's not going to be the case. Okay. So I love it. I absolutely love it. And so you you need, and I completely agree. Like we got to get the why right before we get into the how, and we're going to get into the how here now too. Uh, so, okay. Let me ask you another question. Okay. So how, how am I going to track this? Like, cause we've had consultants in the past come in and like, uh, like how, okay. So I'm, I'm now going to go to my team after listening to this podcast and I'm going to start tracking. Can you give me, give me a little structure and what would I do? Like, how would yeah. I do that? So let's, let's start with just a couple of different, um, a couple of different metrics. Okay. And the thing I'll also, um, mention that I think is highly valuable and important. And I can even speak to this from my own experience. So my first job as a hygienist, when I got out of hygiene school, I worked in a practice and we would have monthly team meetings and the office manager would go, you know, person to person to person and say, Hey, your fluoride percentage was, you know, 10% or your, your periodontal scaling percentage was 3%. And, you know, we just sat there like, okay, fine, fine, whatever, you know. Um, But what I find is more valuable is to give that job to the actual provider. So if 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 I'm the hygienist in your office, then you're going to say to me, look, we use dental intel or we have another type of 
uh, tracking system. You are going to find this information. You are going to report on this information at our team meetings. I'm not going to do it anymore. You need to be responsible for that. Um, and, and that immediately, and, I, and as a hygienist, we are very competitive by nature. Mm-hmm. That is going to make me be more aware of it, right? Right. Um, and I use the example too. If I if I was ever going to go on a diet or somebody was going to go on a diet, you would not never get on a scale, right? right? And then the 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 success of company of um, groups like Weight Watchers and and whatever they they go to a meeting and they tell everybody what they lost or what their new weight is. And yeah. so there's that value. And you you say it all the time, Kirk, what gets measured improves, but what gets measured and reported on improves exponentially. And yeah. I can say that in all of my experience working with teams, that that is absolutely the case that, you know, if we just, you know, skate by and we never ever track numbers, then, then they're not going to improve. They're just not. Yeah. And so this is a lesson that, you know, if you're listening and you're an entrepreneur, you're like, you're so nervous. And I've been there. I've been there. I'm like, oh, we should not put this up there and make it transparent. And then the second you do it, you're like, wow, they got a little competitive. And now they're asking, how do you do that? And it's actually a really healthy thing. Can you speak to this too? And this is something I, your favorite people you'll ever meet, they like accountability. They mm-hmm. like to, because you're going to run in a situation where Hopefully not, but you're going to run into a few people that don't like accountability. They don't want to talk about numbers. We even see it in practice coaching. Like mm-hmm. there are big practices that come our way and the office manager is like, no, I don't want anybody looking at what I do. You know, like, and you're right. like, okay, that's interesting. So can you speak to that? Yeah. I, I, here's the thing I will say. I have a lot of offices that I work with and the team member will say, I never get a thank you. I never get recognized mm-hmm. for what I would what I do. Well, here is the perfect opportunity to get recognized for what you do. If you are reporting on your numbers every week and they're increasing, then that's great. You know, now that's your recognition if that's what your goal is. Yeah. The other piece of it too, and I tell team members this all the time, look, you, you are going to um, measure your value, if you will, to the practice based on these numbers, right? We have to get results. We, we talk about it too. You have two things, two responsibilities as a team member. You have to align with the core values and you have to get results. And so if I'm not tracking results, then how can I then sit down in a meeting with my with my boss and ask for a raise or ask for some you know increase to my compensation? So if I'm a hygienist and I can present to my doctor like, hey, in the last six months, this is what I've done. I increased this. I increased that. I've converted a lot of patients to comprehensive exam and you know, I had conversations about restorative dentistry and then they scheduled. So, you know, that gives you some power as the team member to come to that meeting with the data, not just a feeling or, hey, I've been here for two years, I should get a raise. Like, no, you are a provider in the practice. You have a responsibility to the profitability of the practice. And and this is like a golden opportunity for you. Yeah, I love how you said that. And remember too, if you and I are just talking and we work together and we're not talking about any data, we're just having a conversation about how you feel and how I feel and how hard we're working. The data is really important. And one of the one of the transitions you make in your career is having yourself around. Listen, people like to achieve results. 
I don't think anyone listening to this podcast is like, yeah, I like, I like losing as long as we play well. You know, that's not why you're listening to podcasts. And I'll just, let me, I'll do my little public service announcement. My daughter has an, a, a swim, a, a, a ribbon from oh, a swim yeah. meet. And I think it says 11th place. And when she got <laughs> it, I told her, I'm like, give that back. Like the, nobody needs a ribbon for 11th place. Like there's only <laughs> six lanes in the pool. You don't need, like I, if we're going to get a ribbon, if we're going to talk about things, let's talk about things that matter and they're, they're results based. Now it's not always like, that's not the goal, but like, we're going to start to transition to talk about numbers so we can make progress and you don't always hit them, but at least we're striving together. So for sure, for sure. And you know, it's, it's a good way to take some of the emotion out of that conversation too. You know, it, if the number's not there, okay, so, so now I'm going to say, okay, so my, um, perio percentage was down, but Sally's was up. So I'm going to go to Sally and say, tell me what you're saying. How, how are you having these conversations with the patients? Yeah. What, what type of, um, you know, verbal skills are you using? Because I would love to make my patients as healthy as you're making your patients. And really in the end, that's all that matters is how healthy is our patient base. Um, and so but we can't just say, oh, I think it's okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And when you can look at the numbers, they tell the, they tell a great part of the story. Now think about this. This is where we're going to go. And Chris is going to guide us. But like, if you're a dentist, I don't care if you have four team members or 400, <laughs> if you take a few numbers and you make them just a little bit better, they have this collective compounding effect to the overall health of the practice. Mm -hmm. And this is what you're talking about. Just linking little tweaks to these, these indicators that we measure every single quarter, right? Right. And it is all about progress. I mean, we, we, we talk about how the, you know, a, a industry standard for what a healthy, if you will, perio percentage is in a hygiene department would be somewhere around 30 to 35%. But, you know, and we know our practices, we have very few who are even at that level. But if you start and you start tracking, and let's say you start tracking and you come up with 3%, Okay, great. At least now we know where we are. There's no judgment. We're not going to be mad about it. We're not going to be upset about it. We just know this is where our starting point is. So for the next quarter, let's, let's strive to get it to, you know, 7% by the end of the quarter or even 5% by the end of the quarter. I don't care. You know, even if it goes up two percentage points, think about your patient base. If you have, you know, 1200 patients and 2% extra of them are having active periotherapy, they're healthy. Yeah. You know, it's going to it's going to improve their smile. It's going to improve their health. It's going to improve everything in their lives. So so, you know, it's even going to improve their restorative dentistry, too, because when people's gums stop bleeding and they feel better about their smile and it doesn't hurt anymore, they're going to do more restorative dentistry, too. So it's a win win all across the board. Yeah, absolutely. Now we have data to prove like Bob Barkley was one of the founders or one of the early people thinkers on behavioral dentistry. And he always had this vision or this thought that the more perio you did, the more restorative patients wanted. And now we can see that as 4,000 codes go up, what happens is patients have more value for what you do. They okay. also have been trained to pay. And now they start to ask for the better things or the more complete things that you're doing. And so let's go back to that. So Chris, what are some of your favorite metrics in hygiene? Like when you think of... So, it's funny because it, it's evolved over the years, right? Um, I would say I always want to look at your perio percentage, right? That's that's key is 
of the number of patients I treated in any given week, month, whatever you want to use, how many of those visits had a 4,000 code attached to it, right? So, you know, it, it could be if I had, if I saw 178 patients and three of them had some, you know, were diagnosed with perio, that's, that's a low number. I will grant it. But yeah, but my patients don't have one. perio. Right. So <laughs> that is what I was looking up before we got on. And um, the CDC report was that 47.2% of adults over 30 have some form of perio disease. Wow. 47.2% and 70% of adults over 65 have some sort of perio disease. So, hey, and, and so I'm going to actually go back to what you said. So I have offices that will say, but our patient base is really healthy. They're fully maintained. We're doing a great job. Okay. So then my next metric is to look at new patients. Ooh. How many new patients have you had? Okay. New let's patients. talk about that. Your existing patient base might be healthy as can be, but what is your new patient numbers? Because that is a good opportunity for you to talk about about perio and about uh, healthy healthy smile. Yeah. So it, yeah. Yeah. So I think that that's important. Yeah. So go go back to a little bit more of the why on the new patient. So give me a little bit more perspective on that because I know where you're going. I, yeah. I want to know why. So it's because number one, they we don't know what kind of care they've gotten in the past. And yes, I I will I will admit that a lot of our offices are doing really great uh, perio. They're doing really great maintenance on their patients, and their patients are probably very well maintained. So these new patients are a great opportunity for you to have that conversation and talk about it. And, and you know, this is where, I mean, I don't want to go too much down a rabbit hole, but where the new comprehensive exam on patients of record can come in. And, and we could actually do a whole podcast on that one. For sure. Yeah, we could. <laughs> but, um, but so, so I look at, like I said, the perio percentage, right? So a lot of times I will start with that number. And sometimes it's good. Sometimes I'm looking at a practice and it's, you know, somewhere in the 17 to 20%. So, so I, I would falsely think like, oh, great. They're doing a lot of perio in that office. That's, that's a good thing. Right. Then I will look at their perio diagnostic percentage and look at how many patients who they, who have been in their chair actually got diagnosed with some new perio. Okay. And go so back to, those, so how do I measure that one? Because that, I like that. How do I measure yeah. that? So, you know, in dental intel, it's easy because okay. <laughs> it's, a, it's a metric on the provider pulse. But if you don't have dental intel, it's going to be something that you can track manually or track with the treatment planner okay. in your software. So you can run a treatment plan report and anybody um, and, and do it on a weekly basis so it doesn't seem so overwhelming. But anybody in the last week who was treatment planned a new perio code or some new type of perio diagnostic. And so that's the number to look at. And oftentimes what happens is that number is still really low. So it's hard to wrap your brain around, well, I have a 20% perio percentage, but my diagnostic percentage is only 2%. Yeah. Well, that just tells me you're doing a ton of perio maintenance, which is good. It is good. Um, and are those patients, you know, how many years have we been doing perio maintenance, perio maintenance and seeing, 
you know, bleeding because we know perio disease is chronic. It's going to get worse at times, especially after a two-year pandemic. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so I think it's time to maybe re-enroll those patients in active therapy. And and I was I was just um, you know I was guilty of it, if you will, myself, where I would have a patient in my chair who I had been seeing for years, and you know he would be coming in, and maybe he had. A little bit more bleeding, a little bit more bleeding each time. But I was like, oh, you know, it's okay. That's just Joe. Joe always bleeds. And then I thought to myself, I am really doing a disservice to Joe. It, you know, to not actually talk to him about the progression of his disease. You know, if every year or every six months and I'm charting and, you know, his fours are going to fives and fives are going to sixes, but yet I'm still <laughs> keeping him on that, on that perio maintenance um, gerbil wheel, then that's not really helping him. Yeah, totally. And I want, I want to ask you about that and let's go back to perio diagnosis. So if I'm listening, like, give me, give me a sense of if I'm doing well or not, what, what do you usually see as a range in the perio diagnosis number? Um, you well, see it all over I mean, the board. It can be, it can be, you know, it, it can range from anywhere, but even some of my high performing practices are still are in the lower, you know, under 10%. Okay. And so I just said that, 47% of all adults have some form of perio. So even if you find, you know, one spot and you do a, you know, a limited or a one to three teeth um, SRP on that quadrant, that's going to be a new diagnosis. And so that will show up. But oftentimes, myself included, you know, we're only in our brain, we're looking for four full quads. We're not thinking about, you know, what is the actual best treatment for this patient. Yeah. And so I'm loving this because if you're listening, you can see like the progression of this. If you get everybody on the same page and really formulate what your beliefs are, and then you can start to all work together on these things. Mm -hmm. And the reality, if you're a hygienist listening, listen, I totally understand it. Like a lot of times we're afraid to have the conversation and we should just call it out. It's a, we don't value what we do. And I think if you're listening to this, you're amazingly valuable at what you do. A cleaning is not what you do. It's what happens in your office after you leave. And you've heard this phrase, Chris, many times. A lot of times, you know, hygienists, they really do an amazing job. Mm -hmm. They serve champagne, but they charge for water. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, can you speak exactly. to that? And, and that's, yes. And that's what I usually will tell my offices is I have no doubt in my mind that you're doing perio scaling on patients. Right. You're scaling teeth when you're do when you're charging out a prophy. And so, you know, you have to think about that. And, and I'll use the example that, you know, Dr. Dr. Awesome is not going to tell a patient they need a crown. And the patient says, no, just do a filling. Dr. Awesome is not going to prep that tooth for a crown, put a crown on it and charge the, the patient for a filling. And that's, in, that's really what we're doing when we talk to a patient about um, scaling and root planing and they say, no, they just want their teeth cleaned. And we go in and we start going subgingival and, and getting that calculus off because it feels so good to get that off. Um, but really, your 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 patient has given you informed consent and said no, and yet you're doing it anyway. So, right. so you know, think about it from that perspective. That think about what a profi truly is. It's a super gingival cleaning, yep. or you know, polishing scale and polish. Um, but you're going below the gum. Line. You're doing something invasive on a patient who just told you they don't want that. Yeah, absolutely. And so 
I get to see this when people work with you as a great coach. It's it's incremental. So you get little successes with your team in how they communicate. Language matters. Mm-hmm. And they go, wow, that really worked. My perio percentage went up. What happens is collectively they have more confidence the next quarter. Then you walk right. into a hygiene room and you go, whoa, like look at that language. That's pretty cool. And you can yeah. see them shine. So this becomes a win-win-win across the board. Number one, your patients are getting healthier and you know it's the right thing to do. Number two, you're growing leaders in hygiene. You're like, I'm so proud of you. One of your favorite things as a dentist is when you high five another team member and you go, I'm so proud (laughs) of you. Well, now you've given them a clear line of sight because they've got the language and the value proposition for what they do. And then ultimately the patient benefits, the practice, everything starts moving in the right direction. I'll throw in one last thing too, because we can make this a three hour podcast because I love talking about this, but like (laughs) money spent on dental dentistry or spent in a dental office is one of the best investments a human being can ever make. Now, I believe that. My question is you as a team, if you're listening, is do you believe that? Because money spent in your office, it's not a waste of money. It's not charging people too much. We can actually statistically prove now that money spent on your oral health and the healthier this area gets, the longer and the better your life is. What a great opportunity is for you guys as a team to show your patients that and be an important advocate for their health, longevity, and quality of life. That's the mindset that you have to have. It's not about the numbers so much. The numbers show it, but Mm -hmm. the mindset's more important. So keep going. I love, what other? I mean, that's what I was going to say is that the numbers actually tell us how good we're doing in that role. And what we need to do, what kind of countermeasure do we need to take? So, so if I write a periodontal protocol and I start tracking our perio and the numbers are not increasing, then I have to go back to that protocol and say, what, what can we do differently here? What can, you know, obviously there's something in the protocols that is not either not being followed or we, maybe we didn't, um, you know, we need to, to make some updates to it. So if we take that number off the person and put it on the system, it, it, it also removes that emotion as well. Okay, so you just dropped a huge, huge uh, pearl here. You used the word <laughs> countermeasure. That is an important one. Go back, so I saw how you did that, but explain why countermeasures are really important. What are they and how do I use them in my office? Right. So if you're, if you're just tracking the number every week, just like I told you about my first office, right? And you're just saying, okay, it's 5%, 5%, 5%, 5%. And we're just doing that all quarter it's never going to go up. What you need to do is say, okay, last week it was 5%. This week it was 5% or 4% even. Okay. We need to do something to change this because my goal is 7%. So, so what can I do differently, um, to make this change? So maybe it's, maybe it's taking a look and, um, you know, getting, getting, x-rays on a patient. Maybe we haven't gotten x-rays on a patient in a while. Maybe it's it's making the intention of looking at each tooth as a single tooth and not just like, oh, I need to see four quads of periodontal disease before I schedule anything. Maybe it's asking my team members like, hey, how? tell me how you talk about this. What can we do differently? Maybe, maybe we need to get better research in our office and have a better brochure to give to the patient or just take the time to have a conversation with them. I was really fortunate in one of my offices that the doctor and I, um, 
really had a great respect for each other. And he would, I had a couple of times where I would do the perio charting and dental charting and understand that this patient really needed a conversation more than they needed a prophy. So I would sit them up, have a conversation. And if I didn't get to the prophy that day, so be it. But I was, I had the time and my doctor gave me the autonomy to have that conversation with the patient and almost always it converted into active therapy and and they needed it right i wasn't doing anything that they didn't need um and but by the time i was done having the having the chance to find out their concerns and talk to them they wanted it they didn't just need it they wanted it yeah okay so now i'm listening to this podcast i've been in dentistry for 25 years the title of the podcast leads me to believe we're going to be talking about numbers and hygiene you've talked about four numbers but you're not talking production like for <laughs> like you like I've been drilled that like, we got to have hygienists. Does it fit in here? Does it not? Like, as you can see, and I'm kind of leading you with this question because mm-hmm. you know how we feel about this. Where does the overall production, and that was what I always focused on in the past. What do I do with that? Do you mean the, the perio production number? Overall or? production of the hygienists. Yeah. Well, I think that it's really important to track because again, going back to the idea that as a hygienist, you're a responsible member of the clinical team and a, and a provider in the practice that it it is tied to to your um you know how you how you're compensated or it should be anyway so as a hygienist what we've seen in the past is that you should be producing three times what your total compensation is so yeah it is important to track the production yeah um that's how you can also come back to your doctor and if you are you know if you're it's like i said it should be you should be about 30 percent 33 percent of your um production is your total compensation right so if i'm a hygienist and doctors are going to get mad at me for this, but if I'm a hygienist and I'm tracking that number and it's routinely like 25%, then I think I have a conversation to have with my doctor about how much I'm producing and how much I'm I'm earning. Amen. Right? Okay. It's all about earning. It is. It is. And I get this question all the time. So like I'm in addition to, okay, I get it. But what about the exam fee? Like, do I put that in my production? <laughs> do you get that one? Do you ever hear that one? Sometimes I do. And and here's what I'll say. Yes. Only the doctor can do the evaluation and the exam. So yeah, the exam should always go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. I will say that I had some offices um, that I worked with and some that I worked in where if it was a comprehensive perio evaluation, the hygienist would get the credit for that. And I know that's, that's getting into the weeds, but there are so many things that you can do as a hygienist in your chair that will bump up your production and and help you to show your value to the practice. So, you know, fluoride is one. Um, I'm not a big believer in just doing fluoride on every single patient, but if you do a risk assessment and you, you know, nine times out of 10, again, patients are going to benefit from fluoride and that's an easy one. Um, There are lots of other things like um, Velscope and things we can do to have a, a good mix of services in our practice. When I was in hygiene school, we used to do, we would we learned how to polish amalgams. <laughs> now I know that that's not happening anymore, but um, but you know, there are lots of stuff. I also would say, you know, 
sharpen up your impression skills or or learn how to use the scanner and you can scan for whitening trays. I mean, these are all ways that you can improve your production per hour, production per visit, um, and, and really be an important member of the um, of the clinical team and supporting the profitability of the practice because and your teammates will will like that too your the assistants will be a lot more willing to help out the hygienist if he or she is really increasing the profitability of the practice because that's a good thing for everybody yeah i told you at the beginning she's brilliant you can see why, like she knows. And so, Chris, any other metrics that you like in hygiene that are some of your favorite as indicators on how healthy departments are? Yeah, yeah, there's there's a couple and I'll go through them quick. So, so number one, the fluoride, like I said, fluoride percentage is a good one to track because that, um, you know, that, that is a good benefit to a lot of patients. The perio accepted number. So this is one where we can celebrate because oftentimes what happens is I'll see perio acceptance is at 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, except that I saw 300 patients and I talked to three about perio right. and all three of them said yes, which is great. So that's something to celebrate. So we already have those verbal skills. Um, but what I, what I would look at that number and say, maybe we're not talking to all the patients. We're only talking to the ones who we know are going to say yes. And I would turn that also around on the doctor too. So when you track restorative acceptance, you know, don't just look at that you're at 95 or hundred percent for restorative. Look at the dollar amount that you're proposing as well to the patient. Um, because that tells another story. This, yeah. this, that's one of those metrics that it's not just one number. You have to look at two for that one. Okay. Go back to that one. Cause that's another, we could do a whole podcast on that one. So, okay, <laughs> listen, I've already talked to this patient in the last time. Like, do I have to talk about it this time? Like, what do you, <laughs> what, what really, um, shows me, acceptance on this because I don't know if I want to talk to her. She's my neighbor, like all that kind of stuff. I mean, you're talking about consistently communicating with them over and over and over again. Right. Give us well, some- I mean, and then at some point you have to have, you need to make a decision if that patient values what you do. Right. If you, if you say, Hey, I had this patient for three years, we've been talking about this. And she, every time she comes in, her numbers are worse, her numbers are worse. And she just refuses to do anything that I recommend. Well, then maybe she's not a good fit for your practice. And we actually had this happen in the room last week when we were at um, the headquarters where some of one of our offices will say, we don't think you're a good fit for this practice, Mrs. Jones. <laughs> and the patient's like, what, what, like, you can't fire me. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes you have to, because you are really, um, you know, this is neglect in, in some ways. And so even though you have talked to the patient and they refused, they still consider that um, managed neglect. And so you could be in trouble for that. So you really have to have to set out some parameters from the very beginning. When you go all the way back to the beginning of this podcast and we talked about talking about your philosophy of care and your philosophy of, you know, hygiene and all of that, that's going to be one of the conversations and the decisions that you all need to make as a team. When will we release a patient for not um, aligning with our philosophies? 
Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because I was right next to you when that happened and that was a team yeah. member. And you know who you are because you're an amazing team in Madison, Wisconsin. And yeah. she said, you know, the more yeah. that you get to know, like there are times where we're just saying we might not be. And I was like, whoa. And she said, it's crazy how patients, well, I'm not the right. What do you mean by that? Like, <laughs> I just might do the treatment to show you. Like, I thought that was such a cool moment. Yeah. And it wasn't really about a bravado or anything. They were just being clear. They were being yeah. clear on what they knew was best for patients. And for me, it was such a great moment to watch a team grow like that. That was so yeah. cool. So yeah. cool. I mean, your, your, your outcomes are going to be so much better when you're, when you're doing the right thing on that right patient. Love right. It. I love it. I love and, it. And also, you know, just because somebody says no today doesn't mean that they're going to say no in six months. And you have to think about each hygiene visit as as a connected um, level of therapy or care that you're providing. It's not one visit in six months and another one in six months. Tie all those visits together and let the patient know that there is value in that and make sure that there are common themes when you're having those visits, right? We talk about the um, putting a reason for return, that's that's really powerful. It's it, you know it's one extra line in your in your clinical notes, but it's really powerful when the patient um, sits there and they hear that you're still concerned about something that that you talked about six months ago. Yeah, absolutely. And so again, one of the other things I'll just I'll challenge you on if you're if you're a listener is this is a great podcast to share with your team. And you might go, oh, I don't have time. No, you have to land the airplane and you've got to share knowledge with them. And then could you imagine if you employ some of these things that Christina shared, how much better your practice is going to get? Some of you listening have three decades in front of you. What if you started next week by like, hey, let's just start with the why, then let's start doing this. It about six months, you're going to go, this place is crazy better. And they're actually getting patients healthier. And wow, look at what's happening. My restorative schedule, what you do when you educate your team, it goes way beyond anything you drink. And so this is bigger than just numbers. This is about growing people that you care for and work for. So I love this stuff. So what yeah. else, Chris, like, I know you have a, a other list. And so, um, yeah, I just I, I think it's important to set goals and to, you know, imagine, you know, what you want your production per visit to increase. Um, and and I would say look back at history, too. And if your hygiene production per visit is only increasing by the same percentage that you're raising fees, that's not good because we can look at that and say, oh, but it is increasing. Yeah. And so are our fees. So that's where that comes from. So there are some things that people can kind of try to trick me, but you can't trick me. <laughs> no, you can't. You're too sharp. And so. I love this. I love this. And so um, you guys join us over at ActU or come to any of our workshops. You're going to see there's a whole bunch more behind this. We've got great tools. And if you're just a dentist or a team member who's struggling with like, we just got to all get on the same page. It's This is not about like, you know, making you write more systems or make more money. Like a lot of times it's just alignment and, and understanding and some insight. You guys, the better you think and the better you organize your work, you can have a great life. And so keep joining them. Any last thoughts on the whole, you know, hygiene number thing or any last pieces of advice? Yeah. I, I mean, I would just say, think about it in terms of, um, we, we talked a little bit about this last week too. Don't, don't tie yourself to your patient's response, right? So even as a hygienist, don't, you know, if patient says no, that's not on you. 
right? If you talk to them and you guys all calibrate and you decide what verbal, verbal skills you're going to use, you're not going to get every patient and just try really hard to not wear that patient's disease around with you all day long because it's not on you. Our responsibility as providers and clinicians is to let the patient know what we see and give them the, every opportunity to make an informed decision. And so they still might say no, and that's okay, right? Mm-hmm. We, can't, we can't really um, wear that on our shoulders. It's yeah. too hard. Yeah. It's not on us. It's so true. And it's cliche, but it's true. And you, the truth will set you free. Just tell patients the truth and you'll sleep really well. And at least they're informed clearly about their circumstances and it provides a great, that's a healthy situation. So cool. Well, thank you for being on. I know you have a lot of responsibilities here and I always say this and I mean, everybody should have a Chris, but you can't have mine. (laughs) How's that? Just making, that sounds good. Yeah, she's making people's lives better. Oh, so stick around for a second, Chris, while we say goodbye to everybody else. But thank you guys for listening to the Best Practices Show. Hey, if you enjoyed today, which I know you did, just do us a favor. Share this with your friends. Keep sending us suggestions for things that you guys want to see. And if you really enjoyed it, do us one additional favor. Do me a favor. Go to the review section and give us a four or five star review because here's what it does. It gets us more people that are like you. I love this stuff so much. I could do it all day long. Like I think I would just wear people out. But I, the cool thing is, is your friends come here. Dentistry is a great profession. And when you do it right and you learn best practices, it makes your practice and your life better. So hope you guys enjoyed it. And until we see you guys next time, keep listening, keep watching, or keep showing up, or however you're doing this, the best practices show. You guys enjoy the rest of your day. There you have it. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Best Practices Show. I hope you sure did enjoy it. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. We are always here for you. And if you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you consume podcasts. And if you really enjoy it, you can leave a comment or a four or five star review. But until we see you next time, keep watching the Best Practices Show. Oh,